Hi, you guys. Welcome. Thanks, Heidi. That was such a lovely prayer. I appreciate that. It's cold and rainy, and so I'm wearing my dad's shirt. It seems to be the thing when, I'm, when the weather's kind of creepy. This is my mission weather, by the way. I rode a bike with a dress in this weather, oh, I don't know, um, 500 days in a row, practically. And the great thing about my mission, it was windy the entire time. So that was so much funner for me. <laughs> so great. Yeah, Sister Wixom, it really is an honor to have you here. We all have loved you, and we've kind of like had ownership of you. Is that not true? Whenever she stands up, don't you just like, yeah, I know her, and we don't all know her, but we kind of feel like we do. So thank you, and it's been joyous to have you, and now it's wonderful to have you with us today. Okay, you guys, we are in, in the great book of Esther, and this is one of those books where no one has to say, I've never heard of this book, or who is this? Um, this is not Habakkuk, you know, this is someone we're all familiar with. So raise your hand if you know, if you've heard of, or you've read about, or you know the story of Esther. Okay, does anyone not know the story of Esther? Raise your hand. Okay, no one will, I know. But we all kind of know the story of Esther, don't we? So Esther, her time belongs in the time of the captivity. We're not, we're not going to get into all the history of it. It doesn't matter. It's great, but... We're going to just focus on stuff for right now in our lives. So it does probably take place around 486 BC in, in the Persian area, um, if you want that. And it, it does give us the historical context for the Jewish Feast, feast of Purim. But we aren't going to really focus on that either. But just to have a little bit of an idea, okay? So this is going to kind of be a little bit more of an open discussion today. I do want more of your feedback. I know it's tricky because we don't have mics running around the place, but can somebody tell me, stand up and give just a brief, okay, standing up is not, it's optional, okay, you don't have to stand up, a brief story of Esther. Anybody? Okay, every hand went up, so I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> Anybody, what, is, what happened with Esther? Do you want Luke's version? So last night in um, Family Home Evening, sometimes I like to kind of give them a preview for what I'm teaching. And, and I said, yeah, I'm going to teach the story of Easter. And, and Easter, yes, we're going to talk about Easter today. And I said, we're going to do Esther. And... He is in ninth grade seminary, and he worships his teacher. Brother Cutler at Olympus Junior is the bomb, and Luke now wants to be a seminary teacher. He is that in love with his teacher, and so he's like, oh, Mom, we've already done that. And so this is what Luke said to tell us the story. I'm, I'm quoting it. So the king is looking for a new wife, so he hosts a beauty pageant. <laughs> started. I'm not kidding. Is that genius? So yeah, he's looking for a new wife, so he hosts a beauty pageant. And you know, when the king is in the throne area and Esther's nervous about going in, you know what Brother Cutler called it? The king's man cave. <laughs> so I don't know if that's really scriptural, but that's kind of Luke's take on the man cave. So anybody, what do you think? Tell me Esther's story. Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, she's Jewish. 
She's Jewish, great. And she's very beautiful. She's very beautiful. Um, and the king does choose her to be his wife. She wins the beauty pageant. She wins. Yes. And, um, her uncle tells her to keep that part of her, her life secret. Quiet, right. And then I, I didn't read, we had a really good week. <laughs> I love that. Okay, um, who will continue the story from there? What happens after that? Do you guys remember? Cynthia, what happens after that? I can't remember the names, but um, there's a, a wicked advisor to the king. Haman. Haman. That um, is bringing about some edicts against the Jews. And he, um, you know, about that they can't pray and different things. And he says, basically gets down to that we should kill all the Jews. Yeah. So he's mad at Mordecai because Mordecai won't give him, you know, his respect. So he comes up with the plan, like Cynthia said, to kill all the Jews. Okay. So anybody want to take it from there? Who's next? Lori Bailey. No pressure. You're just a, in the state presidency wifehood. What happens next? Well, um, uh, Jewish. <laughs> I love it. Mordecai. The Jewish guy, Mordecai. Hey. Works. Yeah. Fast and praise three days. And all the people do too. Thank you. Thanks, my love. So, her and Mordecai, fasting and praying three days with all the people. So she goes in with the spirit and she pleads with the king, exposes Haman's, you know, diabolical plot. Because the way he describes it to uh, the king, he doesn't even call them Jews. He says a certain people, you know. And so, um, she exposes him. She saves her people. Mordecai becomes uh, a great man in the court, and she uh, becomes a, a more beloved king, saving her people. That kind of is it in a little bit of a nutshell. Does it? So does that ring a bell for most of us? I think it does. I think we've all we've heard that story, and multitude of talks have been given with that as the foundation. So I just want to want to throw one more question out to you. Um, those of you that have really thought about this and have, have been reading this and over the years have given this, you know, a little bit of your, your mindset, what are some of the things that you've gained from this specific story? Jen, thanks, bud. This is my favorite, favorite story almost because of this line. And who knows whether thou art come to the person Awesome. That is in 4.14. Let's look there. Thanks, Jenny. So... Jen, I want you to read that verse again. This is Mordecai. Actually, I'll read it, but then I, because then it's easier for everybody to hear. Then I want you to tell me why that has mattered to you, because that is the foundation of this story. So if you look with me in chapter 4, verse 14, this is Mordecai um, teaching and mentoring <coughs> Esther, or as I like to call her, Easter. 
4.14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. So basically he says, God is going to make sure they're going to be okay. But he says, thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth, this is the key, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, you're here for this moment. How are you, what are you going to do? Jen, tell me why you love that. What, what has that meant to you? Awesome. Yeah, it goes back to the foundation of this whole story is that the bottom line, you guys, God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for your children. Um, this is not just this happenstance thing. Your talents, your characteristics, your family, where you're at right now is for a very wise purpose. Remember what Heavenly Father and Jesus said about you, that you are their work and glory. What do they do all day? What does Heavenly Father and Jesus do all day? They do you. You are everything to them. You are their plan. And they have put you in wonderful opportunities right here, right now. You don't have to be looking for other things to be doing. Where you're at right now with your children, with your families, with your parents, with your sphere of influence in your area, there is a plan for you right here. And I think the key of keys for our whole lives is trying to be able to live in such a way that we're doing what Heavenly Father wants us to do every day. And I'm hoping that as we talk about this dramatic experience, that we're not going to turn it into our own dramatic experience. I mean, for sure, there will be times when it has to be high drama, a choice we're going to make. But when we talk about this is Esther's moment of moments, let's not make it that our moment of moments has to be something this dramatic. Our moment of moments, let's be clear, is about doing, trying to live the right way every day in the little things. Not high drama. It's the little things. It's how are we spending our days, you know, every day. Um... You know, Esther is us. And God, you know, Esther's God is our God. And I was, I was thinking, I was gone out of town all last week for my work. And, and um, it was in such a place where I was teaching about a, a product that I, I use, I share some oils. And so um, I was talking to a woman and... Um, while I'm talking to her, and I, I had Esther in my mind, I was thinking about how beautiful she was, and, and this woman, so I have a little eye tag on my eyelid. I don't know if any of you have noticed it, but she kept trying to, like, 
let me know that I had something in my eye, <laughs> you know, and like, I can't get it out. And she was so cute. And so finally she stopped because I never got it out. It doesn't get out because it's stuck to my eye. But then she said, You've, I, I have a, also a hair. I have one hair that comes out of my chin. Seriously. Am I the only one that has one hair that comes out of my chin? Seriously. Usually I get it. Like I get my razor and I just like nick that little puppy, but I forgot to nip it. And so she almost leaned forward and pulled it out. <laughs> and so I was just thinking, yeah, I am not Esther. That is for sure. I am starting to get cellulite on the front of my legs. Always had it on the back, but what is up with the front now? What's going on there? And then this was the kicker. So I'm flying and I had to do two flights. So one of the flights, I'm in the airport and I was in San Francisco one part of the week and then LA the next part. And so I'm sitting there and I look over and, and there is Kyle Manoy. I don't know if you guys know who Kyle Manoy is. He's a BYU player. And he's my son Sam's favorite player in the existence of the world. So I start talking to him. So he's, he's like, yeah, we, we need to take a picture and you need to send to your son. He was so, by the way, so cute. And so I turn, I do this, I'm shaking. So he has to do the selfie because I'm not good at selfies because I'm proud to say I do not do selfies very well. And this is the reason why. So we take the picture and then I look at the picture. Have you guys ever taken a selfie kind of like upwards? <laughs> oh my gosh, I am not Esther. I would have lost the beauty pageant. Okay, what is up with our necks as we get older? That's all I wanted to say because Sam texted me back. He said, Mom, what's up with your neck? <laughs> Seriously. It was the best. So as I was, I don't know really why I got off on that. I just want to say, even though we're Esther, we don't have to be beautiful like Esther. We just have to be beautiful on the inside. Woo! And I am beautiful on the inside. Because I have a heavenly father that loves me. And I have a savior that went into the garden for me and for you. Um, we are everything to them. We are the reason they got up today. So whatever you're bringing with you right now, whatever is heavy right now, no one knows about it. A lot of people know. They know my stuff. They know about Mike and his can and Mike's cancer. And by the way, he's doing great. Um, he does have the protein in his the cancer that spread to his lymph nodes. So we are in a clinical study, and we start Thursday. Yeah. So we're very excited. It's a great opportunity um, for us. You know my story, but your stories are a little more quiet. But I know all of you today bring things here today that are heavy. I was just talking to my friend Joan Ashton. This is the fourth anniversary of the death of her husband, Dennis. And Joan, will you tell me what you just said to me last, uh, in just a second ago about what you're dealing with? Her husband died of cancer four years ago. Say it out loud. Do you remember? The burden is... The burden is just as heavy, it's just as poignant, but she's stronger. And so today, you guys, I hope with this story of Esther that we become stronger, that we know that we can do this because Heavenly Father and Jesus are in this with us.
So if you look with me, let's go back to chapter 2. There's a bunch of lessons that we can see, so let's get busy. We have in chapter 2, we are introduced to Mordecai and Esther. Let's just get an idea, because Mordecai, he's going to be a girl today, okay? Because I know it's Esther, and she's a great woman, but Mordecai is amazing. So it's not, it doesn't matter who's a woman or who's a man, so to speak. He is as amazing as she is. He's so cool. So let's get an idea of who he is. Verse 5. In Shushan, the palace. So he's in the palace. We know he's a man that has, has gained great esteem and great authority. So he obviously has a lot to him. He's a Jew and his name is Mordecai. Verse 6. He was carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah. That's her Jewish name. That is Esther. And notice this. She is his uncle's daughter. So he is her cousin, obviously an older cousin, because look what he does. She had neither father nor mother. So I want you to remember that right there. Okay, Esther, although she's beautiful, she's an orphan. She's had heartache. Her parents are gone. I don't know how it gets more brutal than that. We sometimes look at her and think, oh, she just had it easy. She's an orphan. She's been carried away into captivity. The maid was fair and beautiful. Who Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took her for his own daughter. Go down to verse 10. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And this is one of the things that I love. I think it's a hidden message. She listens to Mordecai. She's humble. She knows he loves her. He listens to her. She listens to him throughout this whole book. Her humility and meekness, even when she becomes the queen, is something for all of us to emulate. That no matter, you know, who's, who's telling us something, we can all, you know, get better. We can all learn from each other. We can all learn from what another person does in this situation and try to do better ourselves. Verse 11, and I love this. Mordecai walked every day before the court of the woman's house to know how Esther did. Isn't that beautiful? So he's looking out for her every day. Every day he's making sure she's okay. Isn't that lovely? What a beautiful man he must have been. Go over with me to verse 20. Esther had not showed showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. So she was still listening to him. For Esther did the commandments of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. This is after she is queen. Okay? You look in verse 11 or verse 10. She's following him before she's queen. When she becomes queen, she still listens to him. You know, she's the queen of the kingdom. And she listens to Mordecai. Their relationship must have been so wonderful. So that's amazing, I think. I love how their relationship and how they get along. So if you look in 20 of chapter 2, 20 and 21... Or actually, actually, let's look at 21 and 22. Mordecai exposes a plot. Actually, we're not even going to read those verses. He exposes a plot of somebody that's going to kill the king. If you look actually in 22, he tells 
the thing to Esther. The thing was known to Mordecai, who told it to Esther the queen, and they're able to thwart the attack on the king's life. So they're working together, this amazing combination. So then you all know kind of what happens. But let's look at the reason why Haman decides to get the king to put out the decree to destroy the jewels. This is the reason why. And I think this is one of the great lessons we can learn from this story. If you look down into chapter 3, let's just look in verse... One. After these things did King Ahasuerus, I think it's Serex, that should be, that's the king that we're looking at. He promotes Haman, the son of, the son of that guy, to be, in, to be a leader in the kingdom. And all the king's servants, in verse 2, that were in the king's gate, bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai would not bow down. He would not reverence him. It very, gives us a very sweet influence on who is Mordecai's king. Who is Mordecai's God? Heavenly Father and Jesus. He's the one that, they're the ones that he is looking to. Haman learns this and he gets mad. He learns that Mordecai is a Jew. And so very diabolically and treacherously, if you look into verse 8, notice how he puts it to the king. He doesn't come out and say Jews. Look what he says in verse 8. Haman said to the king, there is a certain people, notice that phrase, a certain people, scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. Their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. So they're not, they're not like us, you know? You want to blame someone, king? Let's blame these people. They're not like us. They're others. And if you look in verse 11 or 9, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. So that's what happens. If you turn over the page, the law is given that they're to be destroyed. And in verse 13, you can imagine, the letters were sent by post to all the king's provinces to destroy not just to destroy the men, but to kill and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women in one day. So they gave a day. On this month, day of the month, you can go kill them. That is the decree. So that is what Mordecai and Esther now are dealing with. They know the decree has been set out. Notice Mordecai's response. If you look in chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and he put on sackcloth with, ash, sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry. Imagine knowing that because he doesn't bow down to worship this guy, all of his people are going to be destroyed. Now this is one of the truths I learned from this story. Something that really kind of got the hairs on the back of my head to stand up. And this is the way Satan works, you guys. You know, when we, don't, when we don't pay him obeisance, when we're not doing what he wants us to do, he is going to throw the kitchen sink at us and our children. He is going to try to do anything in his power to destroy us. 
With that in mind, I love how President Benson says that the Book of Mormon exposes the enemies of Satan. Well, this book exposes the enemies of Satan. This is how Satan works. And I think it's really important that we are aware of it, that we are, we are sharing with our children. You know what? Satan does not want you to be happy. He, doesn't, he wants you to be miserable. When you fail, he is sight. When you are struggling, so I want you to know this, and I want to be very clear. Today, with all the things that you, bring, you brought with you today that are heavy, Satan laughs. That's what Enoch said. When Satan sees you struggling, he throws back his head and he laughs. So we need to make a decision. And I think Esther is one of those great stories where we draw that line in the sand. And say, Today, what am I going to do? How am I going to live my life? And I think it's important that we teach our children. Our children, we don't have to push, you know, we don't have to like, you know, pussyfoot around and try to get them to, no, you know what? Our children are children of the covenant. The reason the work is hastening right now is because our kids are here. They are that amazing. So we can tell them as forthrightly as possible about Satan's plans. So they know when they leave our homes every day that, you know what? I'm going to get on my knees and say a prayer. Because I want Heavenly Father with me when I go out into the world. You know, I'm going to read my scriptures every day because I want them on my side. It's one of the great lessons I've gained from this. That Satan really wants our destruction. But we can thwart him. And Mordecai and Esther do. So Mordecai gets word to Esther you know, about what's going on. I'm sure she's already aware. And Esther lets Mordecai know, okay, but let me tell you. Now, here's the situation. Okay, I want you to be aware of the situation. So, I know I need to go in and talk to the king, but anybody that goes into the king's chambers or man cave, and if he hasn't invited them in, do you remember what happens? They die. She's like, yeah, I know I'm pretty and everything, but... I'm not sure how that's going to fly. But then here is the plan. As Mordecai, as we read before, Mordecai says in the bottom of verse 14, who knows, but this is the reason you've been put in this spot in the first place. So I want to think, this is another thing that I thought about. So here is Esther. She has risen, talk about rags to riches. She has been taken into captivity. Her parents are dead. She is an orphan. That's a lot of heartache. But how interesting, because of these circumstances, she's in captivity. She's with Mordecai. She's risen up through the ranks. Now she is in a position to save her people. So I want you to think about when you're going through stuff that is just so heavy, when you're going through stuff that just feels so hard, the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the great news of being a Mormon, is that we have the most complete understanding of the atonement on the face of the earth. That we know why Jesus went into the garden. We understand that he went in for us. We know that he didn't just go into the garden and hang on the cross because of our sins. 
He went in there for all of the things that are heavy and hard. And the amazing thing about what I've learned about from the Book of Mormon about the atonement, all the things that are heavy in my life from either sin or just stuff that happens, because of the atonement, they can bless my life. So all the things that you're going through, whether or not you're in your own little Gethsemane and it feels just so heavy, who knows, sisters? But the reason you're going through that is so you can be in a position to help and to deliver not only yourself, but your children and your children's children by how you act, by how you lift, by whether you decide that you are chosen to bless and how do you respond in your situations. And let me just say, throw something out. If you don't respond great every single time, I want to remind you something. Peter fell asleep. Peter denied the Savior. He ran. Peter sunk in the water because of doubt. Welcome to my world. If you don't rise up to every challenge and if you don't do every day great, then guess what? You just get up the next morning and you try to do better. You try to do your best. But don't let Satan or the world say, uh, you blew it, you certainly cannot rise up to the challenge. Yeah, you can. You just had a bad day. And we've all had those. Remember Joseph? He lost 116 pages. But still, after a time, he gave us this wonderful book of books. So we make mistakes. You fall down, you just get back up. And you just keep going. Day after day after day. Just keep going. So Esther comes up with this plan. And here's the plan. Verse 16. This is so cool. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Okay? Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and I love this, and if I perish, I perish, but I'm doing it. She is perfectly fine to let God, you know, make sure of the outcome. She trusts him that much. She is Nephi going back to get the plates. I will go and do the things which the Lord has commanded. She's Ammon going back to get his brothers out of prison. You know, with the Lord, Lamoni says to Ammon, you can do anything you want. Go back and get your brothers out of prison. With the Lord, we can do anything. And that's what she does. It's her moment, you know, uh, to make a choice. So I want to just talk about that for just a second before we move on to the fasting and prayer. So President Monson made this comment about this specific time when Esther makes this choice that I am going to go into the king. He said this, quote, and he was talking specifically about this moment, okay, so just keep that in mind. There have always, and it's from a ta his talk given, may you have courage, okay, so this is from may you have courage, and I don't remember the date, I'm sorry. There have always been challenges in the world. Many of those are unique to this time. He said, 
But you are some of our Heavenly Father's strongest children. He has saved you to come to the earth for such a time as this. Isn't that beautiful? He has saved you to come to the earth for such a time as this. With his help, you will have the courage to face whatever comes. Whatever comes. So whatever you're dealing with right now, with the Savior and the Father, if they have your back, you will be able to face whatever comes. Though the world may at times appear dark, you have the light of the gospel. We have Jesus, which will be as a beacon to guide your way. You know, I was gone all last week, and I, I did work on the talk before I, this, before I left, and I was, it was so sweet. So this morning, I, I kind of worked on it all the way up to the deadline. And um, we were saying prayer with the boys before they left for school. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm feeling a little stressed. So Luke, you know, he was, it was his turn to say prayer this morning, and he's so cute. He says, oh, just talk about Jesus, Mom. That's what you always say. Just throw him in there. It'll be okay. So I wanted to throw Jesus in there. How Heavenly Father and Jesus work in your life, Esther's life, is how they can work in your life. So her plan, fasting and prayer, with a purpose, that's the key. I'm one of those people that, I am not a big food person. Like, on regular days, there are times when I'll go, oh, I got, you know, I'm not feeling that great. Yeah, I need to eat. You know, I'm that person, I know. I'm gross that way. But I will tell you this, on fast Sundays, I think about food every moment of every, is that not true? And that is, especially if I'm not fasting with a purpose. Have you noticed that? My boys have noticed that. You know, it's so much easier, it's still hard. I think it's a hard one. And I don't love food that much except for my nachos after class. Let's just be clear, I love those nachos. But it's hard. But when you have a purpose, it's so much easier, so much lighter. You know, I thought about just this past year, the different things that have happened in my family, um, with Mike getting stage four cancer. Thought about my, my, my nephew, whose four-month-old twin daughter had a brutal form of liver cancer. So we've been doing a lot of fasting with a purpose. And the thing that's great about fasting, you try this. You know, I have a couple of brothers who are not active. And they are awesome. They're not active. But you know what's amazing? They're some of the first ones, my little brother Tony, to, rep, to say, hey, let's have a fast. Fasting is like non-denominational, you know? It's one of those ones that even if, you know, people in your family are not really into the church, because I know that's, that's real for a lot of us, fasting and prayer is something that everybody kind of grabs onto. My brother Jeff is the same way. They will fast. And it's awesome. It's this spiritual unifier in our family. It gives power. It softens hearts. Fasting and prayer. I'm a firm believer that one of the reasons the king allowed Esther to approach was not that she's beautiful, and yes, he did love her, but I really believe it's the power of the fast. His heart was softened. 
so that when he actually does learn that she is a member of the tribe of the people that he wants destroyed, he still gives her what she wants. Fasting and prayer are one of the greatest tools we can use, sisters, with whatever you're going through in your lives. So you think about, let's take it to right now. So what you are dealing with right now, let me just ask a question. It's rhetorical, don't answer, just think about it. Have you fasted and prayed about the heavy thing in your pack right now? Are you worried about a child? Have you fasted for that child? Have you fasted for yourself to be able to respond better to that child? Are you worried about your finances? Have you fasted about it with your, with your sweetheart or just alone? Are you depressed? Are you struggling with depression? Have you fasted about it? Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever feels heavy, this is one of the great lessons of Esther. She does not go into the king until the third day of the fast. She goes in spiritually prepared and ready. And then think about if you add to that maybe a session at the temple, or if you don't have three hours, go down for an hour and a half. Initiatory literally takes zero time. And it's this wonderful one-on-one moment with God. It's you and Heavenly Father. We have so many things, sisters, that we can be doing to alleviate the heaviness in our backpack. So she does. So she goes into the king. Look on verse 1 of chapter 5. On the third day, Esther puts on her royal apparel and she stands in the inner court of the king. Verse 2. And when the king saw Esther the queen, remember this is the middle of her fast. His heart is softened, stands in the court. She had obtained favor in his sight. The king held out to Esther the golden scepter. That's the key. If he holds it out, you're spared. He holds it out. Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? His heart is so soft. It shall be even given, it, it shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. That's how much his heart is softened. You know, sometimes when we think about standing up for what's right or doing the little things, sometimes we equate it with, oh, it's going to be really brutal. You know, you're going to stand up and you're going to take criticism. You know what? I know that happens sometimes. But more often, you guys, standing up, doing what's right, you have life in greater abundance. It just happens that way. When we follow Heavenly Father, we talk about this all the time, it's silly. When's the last time you kept the commandments that that you've been just devastated about it? When we do what Heavenly Father wants, the natural consequence is happiness and joy. It might be hard, you know. I don't even like that word. It's always easier to follow Jesus, even though sometimes it feels hard. But every time I don't follow him, every time I make a judgment about somebody, like I think, oh, I I know what they're going through. I can't believe they did this. Every single time, I'm wrong. Every time. But every time I look at them the way Jesus would look at them, 
and I give them the benefit of the doubt and I love unconditionally and I lift them, I'm right. And I'm happier. Everything feels lighter. And that's what happened here. The best case scenario happens. She's not cast out. Mordecai does not get hanged by Haman. No, they are lifted to the heights of the kingdom. You know what, sisters? We make a call. We choose. Do we want to live abundantly? Do you want to really live and do everything Heavenly Father has in store for you? I can't think of anything worse in my life, nothing, than when I go back to Heavenly Father and I realized, or I regret, that I did not live up to my potential. And I don't live up to my potential on many days. But then the next day, I want to give up, get back up and say, I'm going to do better. We can live abundantly, sisters. We can be who Heavenly Father and Jesus really want us to be. What if every morning we wake up and they are the top of our list? And every morning we don't worry about our physical imperfections, but we worry about that, you know what? They want to be in this with us. That we can have the presence of the Son inside of us every day. When's the last time you prayed for his presence? You prayed for his grace, that enabling power that helps you be more than you could have before. There's no way Esther goes in to the king unless she's fasted and prayed. But she goes in with that power, that lifting power. And we kind of see, I mean, we don't get a day-to-day thing with Esther, but we know her heart because even as a queen she's in the lap of luxury and that is not her focus you think oh yeah she's been an orphan she's been through a lot now she can relax no she still is listening to Mordecai her awareness is on the sufferings of her people so think about all of us right now think about we really do live in the lap of luxury I mean I have a little house You know, me and my boys, we have one bathroom. And yet, it is a palace. And you all do too. I mean, we don't want for food. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I lack. I don't lack anything. I would like a couple jet skis. That's not happening right now. But seriously, there's nothing we lack. We have everything. And I love it. Esther had everything. She could have said, okay, you know what? I got, what I, I got my stuff. But her whole focus was outward and upward. She was chosen to bless. Again, we talk about what does it mean to be Heavenly Father's chosen. We're not chosen to hoard. We're not chosen to be cooler than everybody else. We are chosen to get in the trenches and lift each other and build each other in our homes, in our workplaces, in our wards. Our wards should be a haven. Everybody of every thought process, of every political persuasion, of every doubt level should be welcomed with open arms in our little wards. And we can do it. And when we do it, Esther and Mordecai have shown that we live in abundance. Abundance.
That we really can be everything Heavenly Father and Jesus want us to be. Right now, right where you're planted. And it's in the little things. So let's keep going, you guys. Let's move. Um, let's go to chapter 7. So she gets the, you know, she tells about the diabolical plot. We're not going to go into the details of that. She exposes Haman. And let's get to chapter 7. And let's see what happens. Verse 3. Esther says, Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king. She doesn't say, Okay, I want a new purse. I want new stuff. She says, If it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. She exposes who she is. So she stands up and she is a Jew. I am the same people that you're destroying. For we are sold, I am my people, in verse 4, to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish. But we have been sold for bondmen and bondwomen. I held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. If you look over in chapter 8, verse 6, she continues, chapter 8 of Esther, verse 6. I'm sorry, did you know where I was? We're in chapter 7, 3, and 4. Now we're in 8, verse 6. How can I endure to see the evil that shall come to my people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Isn't that awesome? She has chosen to lift and to deliver those that need her help. And the king's response, if you look over into verse 11, the king granted the Jews and market which were in every city to gather themselves together to stand for their life to gather themselves together and to stand for their life verse 16 and the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor because of Esther and Mordecai they lived in abundance and in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. You know, sisters, if we just did one thing, we would really be who our Heavenly Father wants us to be. We would be we would be fulfilling his plan in our lives. And you know what that one thing is? That one thing is that we develop an unshakable testimony, relationship, and bond with the Father and the Son. That we are spending our days, you know, taking a little bit of time to read in our scriptures every single day and to get on our knees every single day and talk to them. I want to bear you my testimony that if we did that one thing, I guess two things, we would know our plan. We would know our purpose. We would know how to spend our days. And if we just throw in this little caveat that I got in my patriarchal blessing to make our homes a place of compassion, I kind of want to throw that in, that our homes are a haven our children and our children's friends find our homes to be a place of compassion, that we are servers, that we are chosen to bless, 
That we are lifters, we are healers, we are not judgers. But we lift and we heal, we deliver and we bless. If we were just to do that every day, we would know our plan. We would really rise to be everything Heavenly Father would want us to do. Because I know that when I do that, I have to say this, when I do that, I live more empowered. I'm better in my business. I'm better with my children. I'm better with my husband. I'm better with friends. I'm better in dealing with the situation that the world throws at us. Because when I'm doing that, when they are my focus, when I'm thinking about the Savior in the garden, and when I'm thinking about him taking on all my stuff, and then when I think about him being paraded through the streets of Jerusalem, when I think about him being spit on and beaten, and the crown of thorns shoved upon his head, when I think him bleeding for me and trembling for my stuff, when I think of him hanging on the cross, when I think of all of Gethsemane then returning to the cross, I just want to be good. And when I think of the father watching his boy go through this, I just want to be good. It's when I'm not thinking about them that I don't make the greatest of choices, that I let little things creep in they need to really be out of my life. But the good news is, even when I let those little things creep in and I don't have the best of days, the great news is the sun goes down, I go to sleep, I get up the next morning, and I can do better. Remember, Peter fell asleep, and he became the greatest of all the apostles. You know, however bad you make a mistake, it's okay. That's why Jesus went into the garden for those days. He knows how you feel. He gets it. He gets how hard it is. If you turn with me, cross-reference if you would, um, to DNC 121. We're going to kind of conclude with this kind of little um, kind of take on this. If you look in, and you might want to cross-reference somewhere in Esther, DNC 121. And we're going to start in verse 39. Because this, I think, is living abundantly. This, I think, is Esther and Mordecai are a great example of those that have been given much being chosen to bless. I think they're so, so awesome. You know, Joseph made these beautiful, said these beautiful words when he was in Liberty Jail. And in verse 39, he says, We have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men, as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. But notice that phrase, almost all men. Never Joseph. Never. Never Jesus. It's amazing to me that you look in the New Testament and you look about his life, he never uses his power one time for himself. He only uses his power to lift, to bless, and to point to his father. And never Esther and Mordecai. 
those that have been given much, we can be chosen. Few are chosen. We can be that. And then if you go with me into verse 41, this is Esther and Mordecai in a positive light. Now no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood only by, and here we have really examples of Mordecai and Esther, persuasion, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and love unfeigned. Verse 45, let thy bowels be full of charity towards all men. I was trying to think of verses that describe this situation and what I want in my life, and these are them. 45 through the end. Let thy bowels be full of charity towards all men, and to the household of faith. Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. And the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion, and thy scepter an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. And thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion without compulsory means, and it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. What you're doing today, just those little things, prayer, scripture study, compassion for everyone, going to the temple, going visiting, teaching, those things. Esther saved a whole people. I bury my testimony, sisters. We do those things. We save our families. Who knows, by the way we live our lives, it will go for generations. The way my grandma Effie Pinneger lived her life, it matters because my mom is the same as my grandma and I want to be the same as them and I want to show my children how to deal and how to live. We can do that. That is a little thing And it pays huge abundance in our lives. So in closing, sisters, we're going to just look at one more scripture. And I want you to to cross-reference it, if you would. Um, If you look with me, let's see. It's in 1 Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Chronicles, chapter 16. We're going to just look there. It's just back a couple of books. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, sorry. This is my prayer for you and for me as we think about this incredible story. I found this little nugget, and I thought it was the coolest. For the I, chapter 16 of Second Chronicles, Chronicles, verse 9, it's on page 605. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth and he's looking for strong to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him the eye the lord's eyes are looking for those hearts that are knit with him my prayer for you and i sisters is that when the lord is looking for someone that will help for someone that will heal for someone that will take a dinner or go knock on a door or send a card or just shoot a text or pick someone up to go to the temple, when he's looking for someone to bless, someone to deliver and someone to lift, his eyes 
will find your hearts and my heart. That is my prayer for us, because surely that is how Esther's and Mordecai's hearts were. God be thanked for the matchless gift of his divine son. And everyone, say it with me. God be thanked for the matchless gift of his divine son. In the name of our love, Jesus Christ, amen.